0: 2017 was a, a difficult year with the local economy basically grinding to a halt as we saw both policy inaction and a huge amount of political uncertainty really sap out confidence uh, in the prospects for the local economy. And up until December last year, it was looking like a really, really tough year for the fixed income asset class and bonds in particular, which were look set to underperform cash. Uh, for the year. But we went into December and the ANC elective conference and we actually saw bonds close the year out in excess of 10 uh, percent, significantly ahead of both cash and inflation linked bonds. Joining me to talk about uh, the South African fixed income landscape is our head of uh, fixed income, Nish and Maraj. Nish, uh, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Let's start off by talking about uh the December ANC elective conference. We've seen a significant change in sentiment uh since then within the country and some positive moves um in terms of leadership at the state-owned entities. What does it mean for the bond market and what does it mean for say prospects and, and valuations going forward?
1: Yeah, I think the the first thing undoubtedly sentiment has changed. The so sentiment's become a lot more positive. I think directly after the conference, there was quite a bit of trepidation in terms of how the split on the NEC was, how the split on the NWC was and stuff like that. And that it was going to lead to more policy uncertainty. But I think the pace of sort of change that we've seen or the pace of how vocal uh, the new president of the ANC has been gives us some hope and has continued to move sentiment in the right direction. I think in terms of the bond market, what we need to do is first understand what was wrong with the bond market before or what were the negative drivers of the bond market before the uh, during the course of 2017. So the biggest risk for the bond market stemming from local fundamentals was the fiscal deterioration. And that was primarily stemming from you know poor growth, mismanagement at the SOEs, and low investor sentiment that prevented sort of strong reinvestment in the economy that increased growth. Coming into 2017, some of those things have changed slightly while some of them remain the same. The fiscal story is something that's going to take a lot longer to sort out. Um, there's no, unfortunately, there's no short-term fix for that. From a sentiment perspective, the noises that are coming out of the leadership of the ANC now should start to promote growth and should see some, you know, spike up in growth over the next couple of quarters and hopefully lead to a more sustained part towards two and a half, three percent. Um, growth. Uh, In addition to that, the changes that we are seeing at the SOEs are helping to sort of instill market confidence in the governance um, of these SOEs as well as the operational functionality of these, of these SOEs. So for the bond market, unfortunately, the big anchor of the negative fiscus hasn't gone away, uh, but the big question is whether we see any further concrete actions that supersede them and lead to a more positive outcome over the next over the next six to 12 months.
0: So we talked about the fiscus, maybe that's a good time to actually lead into, we've got the 2018 budget coming up. We expect it to be painful for South Africans. What is your expectation on the budget, given the fact that the fiscal situation has not improved, just sentiment?
1: I think first and foremost, what happened to it in the last quarter of last year, uh, more specifically at, at the medium-term budget speech in uh, October last year, was that what was presented was probably close to the worst-case outcome for South Africa. So in a way, hopefully things can't get worse. But
0: <laughs> let's hope.
1: <laughs> but I think it's very difficult for them to present a similar set of numbers, knowing now what the market reaction was and how negatively that those set of numbers were perceived. So what we expect, we expecting a slightly better budget. Unfortunately, it's going to be a very difficult budget because it's going to be, it's going to be a, a wrestle between trying to put in measures to show up revenue, but at the same time promoting growth. The shortfall is somewhere anywhere between 45 and 55 billion, but You know, we think that can be easily filled with things like expenditure cuts, more specifically, you know, cutting on the infrastructure budget, very importantly, cutting the wage bill. So the municipal or public sector wage bill negotiations will be a tremendous point of interest going forward. We know that South Africa spends more on wages than it spends on anything else on the budget. So it's the easy win for them within the budget. On the revenue side, uh, there's numerous taxes that can be pulled. Not all of them, you know, will hit the consumer directly. There's options such as, you know, VAT and fuel. Changing the structure of VAT uh, in terms of removing some of the items from the VAT basket that have been exempt before. So that's one of the options within there. There's numerous other options such as the normal sin taxes of increasing taxes on cigarettes and alcohol, There's things such as world taxes, PIT increases. So I think there's enough levers for them to pull. It's just how deeply they pull them to affect growth without affecting the health of the consumer. So overall, for budget March 2018, we're expecting a slightly better outcome. And, you know, we don't think it's going to be as market negative as the medium-term budget was in 2017.
0: And does that maybe a filter into you becoming less negative about a potential for a ratings downgrade? We have been told that the ratings agency has said to us they will watch this budget before making a firm decision. We know that uh, foreign ownership of our government bonds are at all-time highs and that a downgrade, now a third downgrade, would have very negative consequences um, for that. Uh, what What is your view on the chances of a downgrade?
1: I think any way you look at it, on paper, South Africa is not an investment-grade country. I think the primary reason why Moody stayed on hold or gave South Africa a execution towards the end of last year was because it wanted to see what the policy or the political change would affect in terms of policy change. And already there are good signs suggesting that, you know, the political changes are making their way positively into policy change. You would need to see a few concrete, more concrete actions On the policy side, for instance, you probably need to see, you know, uh, a withdrawal of the sort of current mining charter. You probably need to see, you know, a stronger hand being taken on the public sector wage bill. Um, you probably need to see a stronger hand taken in the SOEs, which have already been done, which should appease some of the rating agencies.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the move that we've seen on ESCOM in particular, uh, where we've had leadership changes, that's been very positive. The financial situation is still bleak. Do you think that that's going to be taken into account in a, in a positive uh, way?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, ESCOM by itself, as it stands, is unsustainable. And I think the management that's been put in place now are very much aware of that. And they're very much aware of what they need to do to put things right. And more importantly, it's still confidence back into the investor base. So I think from that perspective, the steps that have been taken is enough to show that the trajectory of ESCOM has changed. So not the financial health, because that takes a long time for it to, to recover. But at least the trajectory is not going down anymore. It's probably flattened for a while before it starts to to turn up. So I think from that perspective, it should appease the rating agencies. It's still a very difficult call. And although I'd love to say as South that they won't downgrade us, I think it's much more evenly split, you know, going into there. I think if you get a strong sort of political move, for instance, you know, someone leaving administration within the next...
0: A change in country
1: leadership. Yeah, something to that effect. I think that would be viewed very positively. So, and I think it would push the, push in the favor of us maintaining our investment rate rating.
0: I mean, one of the important uh, inputs into understanding bond valuations is inflation, growth, and and interest rates. What what are we seeing as our views on those at the moment?
1: Yeah, uh, we've got a pretty benign view on inflation going forward. We have inflation at 5% for this year, 5.2% for next year. Primary reason for that is food prices are quite low, and that's like 20% of the CPI basket, so it'll keep the overall inflation basket well anchored. Also, because the... South African economy has been so weak um the producers have not managed to pass through increases in costs through to the consumer which has kept cons- uh, inflation under control and the third thing is despite the rand having been so weak over the last couple of years you know it hasn't fed through and now with the getting stronger it should at least have some positive effect so you know inflation for us is not a major concern even if you take some sort of worst case scenario is moving rand 10% weaker you know, putting in VAT increase or tax increases that, you know, materially impact the trajectory over the short term, but over the longer two to three year horizon, it still remains well controlled. Growth, we are a bit more optimistic on growth. Um And I think we have to be careful here, just because we've seen growth sub 1% for the last two years, and because we're expecting 1.5% now, I don't think it's time to, you know, crack open the champagne. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. a so
0: relative optimism. Yes,
1: correct. Yeah. So from that perspective, I think, you know, growth of one and a half percent this year or two percent next year is very realistic, but still a far cry away from, you know, the three and a half percent that's needed to stabilize the debt profile. And, you know, I think it's four and a half or five to create a million jobs in five years or something to that effect. And the main reason we're probably going to see the growth pick up this year is one, because inflation is so low. Consumers from a real perspective, so if you take income minus the effect of inflation they a- they actually have a f- their first real increase in income, which gives them a lot more to spend in addition to that, the change in sentiment with the change in leadership of the ANC should also help sustain that sort of spend, which is why we see it uh, growth picking up now uh, but to see a, a sustained pickup in growth over the next two to three years, you would have to see corporates reinvesting or putting in plans to reinvest into the economy so yes, inflation' is very benign. Growth is probably better, but still well below where it needs to be. The combination of the two leaves us in a situation where the sub can reduce interest rates, or at least can be a little bit more supportive towards the economy, which means they can probably drop interest rates somewhere between 25 basis points to 50 basis points more over the next six to nine months. That outlook depends a lot on also what the RAND does. If we see the RAND materially appreciating against the dollar, back towards levels of around 11, 11.25, on a sustainable basis, those cuts could become a lot more. So we're pretty dovish on, on the outlook for interest rates as well.
0: And then, I mean, just talking about where we're we positioning our fixed income portfolios now, where are you looking at, at better value in terms of the curve, um, inflation-linked bonds versus nominals, credit you know, where what would you say are the big allocations in the portfolio?
1: Where we're seeing value in the yield curve still sits in the long end of the curve. And the main reason for that is that the curve or the term premium offered by the South African Yield Curve is quite excessive by historical standards and even by current emerging market standards. On a total return calculation, if you look at the performance of a long-end bond in the 20-, 20, 25-year area versus a 5- to 10-year bond is still outperforms over all measurable periods, even under stress scenarios. So that's where we're keeping most of our duration risk at this point. In terms of ILBs, as an asset class, ILBs are not attractive. So the implied break-even inflation, which is where the market expects inflation to be over a particular periods of time, still sits above 6% for most of the curve. And if you think about our inflation outlook for the next two years, which sits between five to five and a half percent, you know, it's not materially attractive. And in addition to that, you've got a central bank that's never allowed inflation to sustainably be above six percent for any meaningful period of time. It's very hard to find value in overall asset class. However, the very front end of the ILB curve out to about five years does offer some value. The implied break even inflation there is around about you know, 5% with real reals in and about 2.5%. So that's sort of, in if nothing happens and everything plays out as we expect, you'll get the same return as your nominal equivalent, but you have the option of inflation protection in case you are wrong and inflation spikes for some reason or the other. On corporate credit, corporate credit is still a very important part of our portfolios. Uh, We still maintain a decent allocation. Overall, corporate bonds are probably you know, fair to slightly expensive depending on individual issues. We still find selective value in them, although credit spreads had a tremendous run in the second half of the year. Um, going forward, you know, the health of corporate South Africa is quite good. There's a tremendous amount of cash on their balance sheets, the leverage is low, you know, so there's no fundamental reasons for credit spreads to move wider. However, you know, one of the key things that could be different this year is if state owned enterprises come back to issue into the market so you remember for the last 2 to 3 years you know the likes of a Transnet, escom Sandel Real couldn't really get away their sort of issuance on a, on a weekly or monthly basis and it allowed banks to take their place now banks issuance has increased tremendously as well primarily because they're transitioning to Basel 3 they need to issue all these lovely loss absorbing instruments so if you add on SOE issuance to that this year as well, you could see the supply pressure putting upward or widening pressure on on credit spread, which is a major risk for credit spread for us um, this year.
0: And, and I mean, a lot of our asset allocation funds within fixed income have the ability to take money offshore. Do you have any offshore exposure within the portfolios at the moment? And if so, where are you finding value?
1: So when we decide to take offshore exposure, we... Focus predominantly on those type of assets that we think are quite attractive in that space. So we hold a decent amount of credit bonds that you know have been sold off. What we think unfairly during the, the entire sell-off uh, that we saw during the course of last year, as well as you know most offshore South African credit was tainted with the bad brush after the whole Steinhoff uh, saga unfolded. But they left companies like Braid, companies like Impala trading at very attractive yields. So we picked up a lot of Impala bonds at like seven, eight, nine percent yields. Great bonds at eight, nine percent yields, and these are all in dollars. And for like three to five, four years, which is quite attractive. So from that perspective, we maintain a decent allocation to offshore. We sort of think the rand's you know pretty much at fair value. So we've been taking money offshore.
0: So everyone, everyone always asks what our rand forecast target for the year I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what our whatever I tell you is it. going to be
1: wrong. Of course. <laughs> no, there's no point for but I think a sort of fair value for the RAND is probably somewhere between, you know, 1150 and 12 currently. And that will be wrong in the next, something will change in the next three months. It will change that. So for us, we've, you know, these bonds that we're getting in dollars are quite attractive even relative to local assets. So we maintain, you know, offshore allocation of anywhere between 50 to 60% of our overall allowed limit.
0: Um and then just let's talk about SL listed property also one of the asset classes that we use within our asset allocation funds in the fixed income space what exposure do we have at the moment and in particular what property counters are looking interesting
1: So towards the end of last year as opposed to MDPs we accumulated a decent amount of local facing property so the likes of a growth point Redefine you know Kilea and a few others This probably obviously had a very good December along with bonds, uh, more specifically locally for properties, so like your growth points and redefines, the ones that we purchased. We've more recently started to rotate out of them as they've started, the valuations started to become a little bit stretched. And we've been rotating into the likes of UK retail property, the likes of a Hammerson, also in the sort of resilient sell-off. There's been attractive stocks that have come to market, more specifically Fortress A is trading at levels of like 9.5% yield. Neppy Rockcastle trading at levels above 7% in euros that we've also started to add to the portfolio. So those are sort of the underlying stock picks that we put in there. Our overall property allocation, however, hasn't changed materially. The composition, however, is starting to shift more towards those stocks.
0: Dinesh, we've talked about a much more positive and favorable backdrop for the South African economy um, and potentially for South African bonds, but we still have a, a neutral outlook within our portfolios. Why is that?
1: So during the course of 2017, there were two key reasons why we were more negative on South African bonds. The first was obviously the local fundamentals around a bit more negative. And the second was the threat that uh, global yields were moving higher as monetary policy globally uh, normalized and quantitative easing or free money was removed from the system. The first of those have sort of subsided to a certain extent and is probably more neutral on that outlook. The second, however, still remains a very real threat. During January of this year, we saw the US 10 years selling off aggressively to levels of around 275, 280, which is like 50 basis point higher. Within that, you know, EM still did very well. So despite the fact that global rates were moving higher, EM yields started moving lower. So that cushion to absorb or any further increase in global yields is much reduced. And South Africa sticks out very, very specifically under, under that metric. So our spread relative to U.S. treasuries, which traded closer to 600 basis points, now trading somewhere below 550 basis points. And it's probably slightly below its longer term average, uh, suggesting to us that a lot of the positivity around the possible policy changes, inflation, the stay of execution on the, on the ratings downgrade, could effectively already be in the price. It doesn't mean that, you know, as these events happen that you you don't get a spike, but we think the biggest part of the move has already been done when, in the rally down from 9.5% to like 8.4% that we've seen now.
0: And, and sorry, just to clarify for those listening, the offshore exposure isn't 50 to 60% of fund, but 50 to 60% of the allowance that the mandates give us, uh, and it varies across the different funds that we manage. Nish, my last question is, you do manage money in an asset class that uh, we one of the biggest challenges that the class moves quite significantly on short-term news flow. If you had a post-it note on your wall that basically reminds you how you manage to maintain the the valuation bottom-up discipline while being subject to such extreme moves on short-term news flow, what would it say?
1: So there's three key points that go into that, that poster that are, are sort of, it forms part of my investment philosophy. The first and most important thing is that never lose sight of the underlying fundamentals because over the longer term, and that's the, the, the best way to invest is over the longer term, it will drive the valuation of prices. So always use that as your anchor. The second thing is always be careful about the price you pay for an asset because effectively, if you pay the wrong price, you never get the benefit or the buffer against short term volatility. And the third is always kiss. So always keep it simple, stupid.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, Nish, uh, for joining me. And thank you for listening in. Um, for more podcasts on our Investment Outlook series for 2018, you are able to find them on our podcast channel on coronation.com, our correspondent app, or download them directly from iTunes.